Hello and welcome everyone to a special episode of Talent Talks. I'm your host Michael Sulko and thank you for tuning in. On this episode, I'm joined alongside Dr. Russ Riendo, Senior Partner and Chief Behavioral Scientist of New Frontier Search Company to discuss his most recent article on educating job seekers on how to both prepare themselves to compete for better jobs, but also how to find the hidden jobs. Dr. Riendo, thank you for joining us on Talent Talks and welcome. Mike, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. For the benefit of our listeners, would you be able to give a brief description or summary of your firm and the services that you provide first? Certainly. So my company, New Frontier Search, we are a boutique retained search firm. We do sales, marketing, and executive leadership search across a pretty wide range of verticals. And we range from CEOs to sales development professionals. I think one of the unique differentiators for us at New Frontier is I'm only one of a small percentage of executive search firms that I'm also a developmental psychologist. So I think that brings a different dynamic and a different element when we're trying to help identify the right kind of talent. A different perspective is important. So let's dive right into uh, your article. The article title is, Great Job is Hiding in Plain Sight. That title alone really teases the reader. How can this be true and even verified a viable option? I think what's important is, you know, great jobs are jobs that appear after a person first researches the various markets, studies and learns what their real skills and values and their motivation is, understanding what their compensation needs are, what their competencies are, and most importantly, what their personal life goals are. The job that we want is in plain sight, but once a person defines, kind of has identified these elements, then they'll begin to see those particular jobs, those companies, those industries that fit their personal attributes and their desires. And then they can target companies that align with their skills and their expectations. The reason people make job changes too quickly, they don't do the analysis beforehand. So if they're a good interviewer, they can convince an employer who doesn't have the right kind of skills and analytics to know what to look for, they get the job, but then they find out they're the wrong person and they fail quickly. If we can educate candidates to invest more time and energy in their job focus, their targeted search, they will find a job that suits them and works better. And if we educate employers and hiring managers and HR professionals, then they're going to make a better hire. We have to educate the candidate and the employer to look for the right behaviors and homework that have been done for making a better hire. It requires a lot of soul searching and really slowing down the pace and understanding what you as a candidate want in the long term. Isn't that true? This is a pretty blunt article. And we did it because people get too much soft advice, too much passiveness in job searches. And People make excuses. They're too busy. They're too tired when they get home. they got to take care of the kids and take the kids to soccer practice and cook dinner and walk the dog and watch the news and catch the last episode of Game of Thrones. Granted, those are all parts of life. But if you want to truly expand your career and make more money and move ahead of the pack and be able to get that great job that is in plain sight that you don't see yet, you're going to have to give up something. If a person doesn't make a concentrated effort 
to expand their intellect, expand their frame of knowledge in their marketplace and become better at their craft, they are going to always find a job, but they're never going to get the job that they really want. They're going to get the average job. And that's the frustrating part. I agree. So in this most recent article, which is, of course, helping job seekers find a job, why is it so important to hiring managers, senior executives, and HR professionals, as well as other executive search firms? Here's why this is an important topic for not only job seekers, but it's important for hiring managers because they need to know how to quickly identify the serious job seekers and the best talent. If they're not getting the training, and how do I identify a candidate that comes into the interview that has done the research? then they're not going to make a good decision, and they're going to miss candidates that are very well qualified, but maybe they don't have the industry experience. They're going to pass them. The hiring manager has to know how much preparation has the candidate done, how much competitive intelligence that proves to the hiring manager that the candidate is serious, as opposed to, well, the recruiter called me, and it sounded like a good opportunity, and I don't like my boss, and I'm not making enough money, so, yeah, I want to go on the interview. And unfortunately, most interviewers fail in this area. They ask superficial questions, and that leads to bad hires, turnover. That's why the hiring managers, we need to educate them. A better prepared candidate is a more placeable candidate. Mm -hmm. So if we as search professionals can educate business people on how to better plan their career, how to do research, how to document their career path, Now we have a more viable product in the candidate to present to hiring managers. We can add value. We can reduce our risk. The last part of that is hiring human resource professionals. How many times have you and I seen where human resource professionals, they need to take a stronger role in the interview process? Human resource managers don't have time to resource humans. They're too busy in drug testing, HIPAA laws, confidentiality, and ethics. They don't invest their time and energy. They need to embed themselves more with the hiring managers to educate the managers on how to do better interviewing. They need to be more involved in defining skills and writing the specs on the job. The Too often, HR is brought in at the end to make an offer, and this screws up the whole process because they have no skin in the interview game. Mm-hmm. They don't have any context of what has happened so far. And HR people are not trained to be negotiators. They don't know how to negotiate a good package. They don't have power to make decisions. So we wonder why things fall apart at the final hour. That's why this article is important you know, as we sit here today in this labor market. Absolutely. You're really kind of throwing away money in a sense because it all has an effect. Exactly. How many times have we heard as search professionals that a company, for example, says, well, we don't have a budget for a recruiting fee or we can't afford to pay another $15,000 more in base salary to secure that candidate. Yet, the position has been open for five months. Mm -hmm. Their workers are stressed out from trying to compensate for the open position. They're creating turnover issues because they're not willing to be proactive in hiring it. But it's easy for the hiring manager to justify if sales are down or productivity is down because they can say to the boss, well, boss, you know why everything is kind of going bad because we haven't had a person in that position. And the boss says, you know, Frank, you're right. I apologize. You're right. I mean, it's not your fault. No, that's an excuse. We've got to be proactive in that campaign to find better candidates. I agree. 
The article you wrote really had a distinct edginess and point out a very common fault in the job hunters and the hiring managers. Why would you take such an assertive approach? I took an assertive approach, Mike, for two reasons. One, it's important to give a wake-up call to job seekers. Mm -hmm. We as recruiters get calls from candidates every day. They're missing basic average interview skills. They're not studying their craft. Most people are provided with simple interview tips, career change ideas. They get some sample interview questions. It's too third grade for today's sophisticated market. Too many job seekers are fooling themselves, thinking they can send out a one-size-fits-all resume and a basic cover letter they get from a library textbook, and that they can get the job in the pay scale they need. It's too competitive. It's too stringent. It's too precise with people applying for jobs online. You've got to be more creative than that. You know, so blunt in this is, having been doing search work for 34 years, my evidence and observations and all the research from myself and my colleagues show that the majority of business professionals don't know how to approach a job search campaign systematically. Part of it is, if they're working, they don't have time, and most people don't study. When someone does have a leaky gasket, that's when they decide, i got to go find a new job, and they're not willing to put the hard work in to really do it. So that's why we're trying to let both hiring managers know, pay attention to the research that the candidate brings, and to the candidate, if you don't bring the research, you'll get an offer, but the offer is not going to be very good. Absolutely. In the article, you use an interview question example of one out of ten scale to measure job change urgency yes. as one tool to exploit the potential falsehood and self-lies that candidates claim are true around the job search motives. Does that approach really work? Like This is a great self-assessment example. The one to ten scale analogy works perfect because it quickly qualifies a job seeker with self-admitted urgency or it proves their lack of evidence that they really want to change jobs. So one thing to remember, we can't talk our way out of something that our behaviors got us to at this point. No matter what you tell me, if you do something and you try to excuse or explain your way out of why it's not true, I'm not going to believe it because your behaviors are demonstrating that you're actually doing what you're saying you're not doing. If you were interviewing a person that said, so on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 meaning the most, what's your sense of urgency? Candidate says, I'm a 7. You simply ask the question, why a 7? Now, the candidate has already admitted that they're a 7. So now the candidate is accountable to prove and demonstrate and show their homework that aligns with the level of 7 to how serious they are about making the job change. So if you are the interviewer, and now the candidate has admitted they are a seven, and when you call the candidate's bluff, as it were, if they can't show you the homework, show you the research, show you the articles, and you look at it and say, you know what, this is basically like a three or a four level, then you end the interview in about five minutes and start over with someone else. So this self-assessment is a perfect tool to immediately determine how serious that candidate is and how much they try to talk their way out of what work they didn't do. Puts them on the spot. And the, and the opposite is if they say, well, I'm a 10, they say, wow, a 10, that means like you want to change jobs tomorrow. If they can't show and compare and demonstrate what they've done 
what kind of research to be ready for this job, then nine times out of ten, they are the wrong candidate for the job. And a good interviewer will recognize that very quickly and move on. That's a great observation analysis. Because I can say as a candidate, you know, Steve, you said you're a seven, but based on what you're telling me, you're really a four. So I don't think you really want to make a change. I think you want to make a change, but there's something in going on in your life that's preventing you from moving forward. So when you figure that out, give me a call and let's start over again. And they respect that. So you also listed 14 very specific examples how to uncover hidden jobs as well as what activities to do to increase yeah. odds of getting interviews and offers. Why do most job seekers not already know and follow these ideas? I appreciate you bringing that up. Most people are not conditioned, as we talked about, they're conditioned to look for job postings online, job boards, company sites, LinkedIn ladders. This limits people's opportunities to find jobs in the hidden job market because they're relying on someone else posting an open job and then they're pursuing that open job. People have not been taught the art of creative job search strategies. They don't think how to do the research and target your energy and your skill sets to a specific industry or company. Another one is people don't work on improving their weak skills and exploiting their top skills. People compensate. They make excuses. They blame something or someone for their lack of success or their lack of income. Business is tough, and it is fair to those who work hard and smart to be prepared. And I think the last thing is it takes a lot of time per week and weekends of study and practice to do the research. They'll find activities that are more distracting or more relaxing, and they'll avoid doing the hard work. Procrastination. It's our biggest enemy. Yeah. You know, a lot of that is personal resilience. People that are naturally more resilient, more proactive in their life, are going to do better in a job search campaign. But there are people that are very quiet, more introverted, a little bit more kind of passive personalities. And it can be very difficult. It's just not in their nature. They want to do the work. They want to be a good employee. And they are. But at the same time, they're uncomfortable with the notion of trying to brag or exploit their skill sets and successes, it's much easier on the psyche just to respond. And if someone is interested in them, great, I'll go on the interview. If not, no problem. I'm just going to do my job. Looking for a new job is a full-time job, and you are going to have to go out of your comfort zone. Right. It can be exhausting and exhilarating at the same time. Yeah. And scary. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right. So one strategy was about how to understand personal value and compensation in the marketplace. Why is that so critical in a tight labor market with so many jobs available? In a capitalistic society, your income, and there are exceptions to the rules, social workers, military, teachers, educators, volunteers, where certain people should get more money, but they don't. And a capitalistic society pays people what the business society believes is a stronger value to the marketplace. One way that we can check that is what I call the income to years of experience ratio. Mm -hmm. If a person is 40 years old and they're making $100,000 a year, if they're in a sales position and they're making hundred k at 40 years old, they've been in sales since they've gotten out of college, they're probably in that top 20% 
of professionals in their marketplace if they're in a major metro area. Mm-hmm. But if a person is 40 years old making 75000 and they've been selling for 25 years, they're probably an average or below average sales professional because their income to years of experience is not very strong. When a hiring manager is looking at a candidate, and we're not talking about ageism, we're talking about years of experience. It does equate to age, right? But for our discussion here, it's important that a person says, what am I earning? Am I earning what I should be earning compared to everybody else? And if I'm not, what am I missing to improve my skills? Because most people overestimate their value to the marketplace. Mm -hmm. And when they go into a job interview, they can't prove that they're worth what they say they want to earn. The value and skills have a premium that companies have to pay to compensate a candidate. It's the candidate's job to deliver as much documentation of their value to the marketplace as they can in the interview. Otherwise, they're not going to get a great job. They're going to get a job, but they're not going to be able to get that job that demonstrates why they should get that job. Fortunately, we are out of time for this episode of Talent Talks. Russ, thank you very much for joining us. Mike, thank you very much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode of Talent Talks. Take care.